black people don't read. Black Reading is fundamental. Get a book, man. Get the great stories. The great thing about reading is that it broadens your, your life. You know, we all live our lives, but I think a reader lives a hundred other lives. Welcome back to Inspire Reads with Inspire Entertainment. This is episode 10, brought to you by Shamaki and Mohammed. We are going to be talking about Malcolm X, and uh, it's going to be a very interesting one. It's also February, which is Black History Month in America. I mean, I'm just, I don't know why there's two different months for it. Yeah. Um, I wonder what, uh, what month do Australians have it in? God knows, do you even believe in Black History Month? What? Huh? Do you, do you think in, it's man. a... I don't know, do you think it's a good thing or what? I mean, it should be every month, man. It's like, just like, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> Mother's Day. <laughs> I'm joking about <clears throat> I think it is good that there's a month that it's just like being raised awareness for kids. Even though, yeah, there should be more, it should be more regular, obviously. Mm. But yeah, uh, why is there a difference in, in, in the UK and America? Shouldn't there be some unified effort? Yeah, like one time, like, where everyone basically comes together to, I don't know, appreciate black history. Mm. But yeah, that was just something I've always uh, wondered. But nonetheless, um, this one here is about uh, Malcolm X, as I've mentioned before. And we've been, well, I've been personally looking forward to this one for, yeah, for 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 a while now. And uh, you you want to say something? Yeah. He so put his hand up. <laughs> so I'm, trying, I'm trying to signal to you. Why, why are you breaking the signal? <laughs> How, how do you expect you want me to just interrupt you <laughs> I know, it's just, we've stopped it's just the interrupting funny. days here. That, was, that was episode one and two and to, to, to transition it into that you see how smooth I'm becoming these days to transition it into that for any new listeners out there oh, um, we just right. want to tell you about what this podcast is about so me and Shimaki here we come back every single week at the end of the week on Sundays to talk about the book that we read over the week which we usually decide after we release the episode of the week. A lot of oh, weeks. Yeah, a lot of We're weeks. not weak, we're strong, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so we've read 10 books so far. This is the 10th one, and we're discussing it in this episode. Um, so, yeah, that's the that's the premise of this podcast. So, if you want to go back through, for me, I think uh, episode 5 and onwards is where we started improving, and, and like, gaining weight and improving. Gaining weight. Gaining weight. <laughs> Maybe you. <laughs> I mean, it's stressing you up. I mean, gaining traction in terms of <laughs> why did I say gaining weight? <laughs> but yeah, in terms of like improving and working on what we're we're poor at in terms of how we talk and um, the the format of the podcast in terms of like how deep we talk about the book, etc. So we've like from episode five and onwards is is what I'd recommend any new listeners listen to. And um, you'll get more of an idea of how we do things, and I think you'll enjoy it a bit more than grinding through from episode one to five, which is where we are still learning the ropes a bit. But um, those episodes are also very natural and raw in terms of like getting to know us and why we're doing this, etc. So yeah, I just wanted to let any new listeners do that um, since this is episode ten. Yep, just to touch up on who we are and what we do. Um, yeah, and we actually have done what to back-to-back ones now we finished the other one on friday was it the, yeah yeah and um Least on Saturday. and and we pretty much read what 500 pages in like two days or something pretty much one day for me now well, yeah oh, wow. <clears throat> so, but yeah um before we start we also have 
our challenges. We got food for thought. <laughs> Why do you say like that? Huh? Challenges. Challenges. I don't know. It feels, it feels <laughs> like that's how it should be called. That <laughs> being said, yeah. Um, yeah so basically, well, we just quickly ask each other questions before we get straight into the show. What was today's one? So you said um, the people who are most influential, like the three top three, top yes, three most influential people in your me. life right now. Yeah. Don't want to come with some cliche answers. What you said in my life. Um, you say Top right now, three, or? Nah, like influential people, that, well, people that you consider influential, influential in mm-hmm. the world right now. Mm. Go can it. it be anything okay. in terms of anything like right now, right here? It can be, yeah. Okay, so for me, right now, in terms of what I'm pursuing and things like that, I'd, I'd talk about my creative pursuits and things I'm trying to improve on in terms of how I speak, in terms of like languages I'm trying, I'm trying to learn. Um, improving on the podcast on video making things so there's uh, actually a podcast that I listen to pretty regularly these days and the, the two guys on the podcast are just very insightful and they talk about things in different ways where it makes me think every time and I feel like since I've started listening to those mm. I've st- I started implementing their advice in my life a bit and they're very like it's very direct advice that makes sense and it sticks and their podcast is called the Mind Heist Podcast um, yeah. it's, it's very random I mean, it's, it's out of the box. Yeah, it's out of the box. Well, yeah. It's out of the box because normally you'd expect me to say some people or something like. But I thought if we're talking about right now, yeah, right anything, now, anything, anything like, like you find influential. Yeah. Like, so if yeah. you're talking about right now, right now, I think um, mine have mine heist podcast. Uh, they're very direct about their advice and they, like every episode is literally just their, their their view on life and things like that and business etc. and um, how to conduct yourself and it's not like a biased thing it all makes sense and mm. i agree with all of it and it's starting to make me think in different ways so yeah um mine has podcast is one do you want to go for yours what i think um one of my ones would be um a guy called gary v gary Vaynerchuk. yeah um who's basically like a business entrepreneur guy um you love the you love those two words you know uh-huh. what business entrepreneur, entrepreneur yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I yeah. think we should do a business entrepreneur counter for this guy. <laughs> Every time he says it in a podcast, I'm just going to put a ding. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I listen to, he's got like a podcast. podcast yeah, and, I know. And like every morning, like before work, mm. it's just become a habit where I'm listening to him. And he, the reason why I like it is because he's, he's like so straightforward. Yeah. And that. Uh, that everything is it's like it's too many people beat around the bushes yeah like, like too many people and, and a lot of the stuff that he does he gives like direct very valuable advice and it's all like for free yeah it's not like and, and it's not like he's he's talking to you about it like he's selling a product yeah he, like he's he, and like like for example a lot of like public speakers do that yeah, yeah. there's like remember that that guy that, that, that advert that always came on the YouTube yeah. probably still does about hey it hey guys you yeah. wanna be like me yeah I got that Lamborghini have, yeah. and all of that stuff <laughs> I remember there was one point in which he was like this and I'll basically tell you these three steps yeah and in that video he didn't even say it yeah that's the thing saying. where you had to actually pay for and those guys so, are not, I think there's like there's thousands of those public speakers a lot of these guys who like themselves haven't accomplished that much either um, but he, I wouldn't say that but it's just that they're selling a product and they're very obvious about it and they they don't seem honest because of that and, yeah, and people yeah. like that directness and that honesty that yeah. people like, like Gary Vaynerchuk are because at first I thought he was just going to be like those guys Yeah, same. And, then, and then it was like oh he's actually given 
actual advice and it's, exactly, and it's raw and you can actually tell that he means it yeah and he cares uh, about it yeah and that's so, exactly why the mind heist podcast is, like, is exactly the same mm-hmm. i think you should listen to it and th- tell me what you think yeah, yeah. um yeah so he would he would be one of the guys which i find influential mm-hmm. especially if you're looking to start anything um whether it's a podcast or your own like business, business or yeah business <laughs> <laughs> see it was coming i was waiting for it, it. Was coming, it was coming. <laughs> i thought i thought about it this time see you messing me up <laughs> um yeah so if anyone's looking to basically start their own thing or get into stuff like that then he's he's one of those guys which is very valuable to listen to mm. you want to go for your second guy well i think yeah, I'm blank man i'm not gonna lie uh, it doesn't have to be now it can be in the past <clears> as well Okay, so anyone really? Yeah, Muhammad Ali, I'd say. I think everyone uh, can say that after they watch his stuff and they check his interviews and they check his record and his history. Mm. And, uh, you watch his the film that was done by Will Smith or whatever. I haven't watched that yet, but I want to watch it. Mm. I wonder if he done it, but I wonder if it came out good. Did you see it? Uh, I did a long time ago. Well, the Will Smith, uh, the Muhammad Ali, uh, Will, Will Smith, Smith one. Yeah, it was actually good. It was alright. I can't really remember it much. It wasn't good then, was it? Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It was just, it's kind of what you expect in it. It's mm-hmm. like they're trying to tell a story, but they're trying to add a little bit of drama of it yeah. Yeah, to make Hollywood, it interesting. It? Yeah, but um, yeah, Muhammad Ali. Like, I think a lot of people that watch his interviews will see like how like his directness and how he dealt with people and how charismatic he was. Um, and then, like in terms of boxing and like being a Muslim figure, who I don't really like putting that thing where a lot of Muslims. Like they see some Muslim celebrity or someone who's who's sort of like claimed Islam in any way, mm. so they try and um, like claim them as a yeah. like this guy's up, this guy's Muslim, so he's great. Um, but I think if you're claiming something like that, then that celebrity has to also be preaching about it, like Islam in so in a in a way that's positive, or he's representing it in a way that's mm. positive. Because there's a lot of negative, like, a lot of people that are doing negative things. Yeah. Uh, that aren't in the <laughs> that aren't like looked um, looked like well upon in Islam which are, are prohibited or whatever mm-hmm. and a lot of people claim that even though there's a lot of people that will like sort of sell their values to basically be accepted yeah. whereas uh, Muhammad Ali he was representing Islam yeah. in such a way that was was positive and yeah. um, non-Muslims could see it and they were like yeah like is this, is this Islam is this yeah. exactly what Islam is about it's very unapologetic it all makes sense. about it yeah so Muhammad Ali would be my second one, which is very cliche, but it, it, cliches exist for a reason as well. So, there. Yeah, yeah um, I would say my second one would be Malcolm X. I, I was going <laughs> to say it, but then I was like, yeah, Sean's yeah. going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, I've always, like, even when I was young, I've always been fond of, like, public speaking and stuff like that. Yeah. I've always been drawn to those that speak well. Yeah. Because... It's a, it's a skill. Yeah, yeah. Um... And especially the ones like there's there's that charm about because I've listened yeah the charisma and I've listened to like his uh, YouTube videos and stuff like that and he's <laughs> well Malcolm makes his YouTube videos huh and then he make a channel <laughs> 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 no but his videos on on YouTube and you can actually see like he's got very good stage presence yeah um, and that's something obviously that I admire uh, and. Um, 
Yeah, and on top, obviously we'll get into what he he done. Yeah. So that's why I don't want to really talk too much about that. But obviously his his charisma, the way he he he, he conducts himself, mm. like he he's not a very childish guy. Like he won't cuss you back if you if you you know what I mean, uh, in in a confrontation with him. So the way like he conducts himself is very professional, and it's it's like the type of guys that you need, so especially you- these day and age. If like there's a lot of people that want to do like fight for islam and stuff like that but then there's a way to do it there's a lot of people that do it in a rash way yeah. which will throw a lot more people out Off, yeah. rather than actually mm. bring bring people in yeah and that's a big issue mm. especially if you're not that well educated or yeah you're not, you're not a knowledge not, you're not a person yeah, like some people just want to like go to speaker's corner and just shout debate. across someone else yeah you know without actually getting like actual dialogue across it's just yeah, literally yeah. one guy against the other and then at yeah, the end of it they just you know and then they're out I'll be back next week what? yeah I'll be back next <laughs> week I'll see you next week then, <laughs> I think they just like I think they just go there to release their stress like, yeah, they have a stressful yeah. week <laughs> but there's actually guys like you know Mohammed Hijab yeah he's like one of those that are actually like I enjoy when he's doing it because he's got the same charisma that like Malcolm X has um, in terms of the way he carries out his, the way he carries himself mm. like he won't stoop low like or say something personal or have a dig at the person it's just all very intellectual mm. and someone that's got that ability is obviously a top guy mm. okay um, I think I'm going to try and think of someone who's doing active things in terms of um, like when I, I, I talked about two people who are essentially I talked about two parties who are essentially just like good speakers mm. um, and that's a is a very valuable trait because that, that um, the idea of sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me yeah. is nonsense because you can recover from that stuff <laughs> but there's a lot there's sometimes words can traumatize you <laughs> but um, so yeah speaking is very powerful if you can speak well you can you can effectively become a leader in, in any way that you have so if you have a, a bad idea or a good idea if you're a good speaker then you can um, find a way to get people to follow you in your idea whether it's good or bad so, yeah it's a very important skill um number three i don't know man. someone active someone active uh, i think i'm gonna go for casey nice <laughs> another cliche answer mm. uh even like in general sometimes i don't like the things he does but in terms of video making and things like that he's he's, he's inspired a lot of people yeah. which I want to do he's uh, also talked about his his health and things like that in terms of like marathon running etc and that's uh, like something I want to do in terms of like pushing myself physically like consistently because I, I want to eventually like run a marathon because I, I had a big injury so I want to eventually get to a point where I, I feel like that, that would be a big accomplishment for me after having that big injury yeah. so running a marathon and knowing that I did that is like uh, it'll be a good boost to my self-belief bit, yeah. essentially and yeah his video making skills are, are very impressive as well and he's also very direct and stuff about his advice and he doesn't like take too long to, to address issues but obviously he has his shortcomings as they all do mm. but as, as we believe as Muslims is you should take um, the good things from people and uh, avoid the bad things whether whether you agree with them or not mm-hmm. uh, essentially yeah that's my three uh, my one's a bit uh out the box yeah considering his name is soapbox um, yeah you told me about him yeah basically he's not he's not really someone that's known or like out there but 
He has a YouTube channel called Soapboxer, uh, Real Talking Inspiration. And he's got like, what, 700 subscribers. He's like, again, he's not someone that's proper out there, but Niche. the the videos that he does are like very, very good. He's talking about like the gang culture in the UK and um, how easily that, how easily children are influenced. Like he interviews people uh, from jail that have come out and have like been on the streets and have changed their lives around and trying to basically inspire children and going around schools and speaking with you know like police officers and saying like trying to get to the problem of um the gang culture which is very prevalent in the uk especially children from like 13 14 that get exposed to it very quickly Mm. and it's a common thing around like 15 16 most of them have got like knives and stuff yeah um and he's basically looking to tackle that um and I personally, you know, the, it's, it's very good to see because right now, like, if you look at the grand scale of things, he hasn't got, like, millions of uh, subscribers or, like, thousands of views, but he, he's still, like, continuing on and making content, like, every week, mm-hmm. trying to push his, his message through. And uh, I watch his stuff and I really find that guy influential because if... Like he does go mainstream and a lot of people find out what he's doing, then he's going to bring more change than other people that have got a massive following would. Mm. Yeah, those are top three. You don't sound very impressed with your top three. Huh? You don't sound very enthusiastic about it. I feel like when I hear back, maybe I would be like, oh, I don't know. Because obviously (laughs) you've got like, number one should, obviously, if we're looking past and present or whatever, it should be the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. You know what I mean, there's like no one better than him, especially what he's de- done yeah. uh, from societal like issues that he changed around from changing whole cultures to to lives. And of course, being our messenger um, of Allah, you know, but in terms of like someone that everyone would know as a human personality. Yeah, currently as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, for all of those, go and do your, do your research, find out about the history, etc and see what influences them as well and that will hopefully like give you an idea or trigger something inside of you that would um, make you like take that next level to to progress yourself in terms of career or personality or whatever you want to achieve but yeah that's the food, food for thought section over um, next week we'll try and come up with some more creative challenges which are a bit different like, mm. like we like i used to <laughs> but i just haven't had time recently but it was interesting nevertheless okay Going on into the book. Into the book. Malcolm X, the autobiography. Yeah. With the assistance of Alex Haley. <laughs> was he the guy that wrote the whole thing? I, I, was, I don't understand. It says forward by Gary Young. With the assistance of Alex Haley. I don't understand. How, how does that work? Uh, well, I mean, my one, was which it, is like... Was Alex Haley the one that wrote the it? Or? Yeah. And a- Alex Haley was the one that Malcolm X basically met. Like, and told this story so, so like he's the guy that said I, I trust you 70% pretty much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah that makes sense then okay, okay. do you want to go into it alright alright so basically what we're gonna do is we're gonna like section out his life from like the early stages so like when he went to prison and like changed and turned and became part of the nation of Islam and then of course towards the end of his life um, and to start off, 
Are you got, do you want to go into the fold or do you want to just go straight into the book? So yeah, I was. Um, we got the book about Thursday. It's Sunday now. We got the book on Thursday, I think, and I didn't manage to read it until like until like. I got the book on Friday. Yeah, I didn't get to re- read any of it until like Saturday night, and then uh, I was just struggling to uh, like. I didn't have a lot of time that day, so I was reading. Yeah, it's a five hundred page book, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we normally read it over the week, but this time we had a very short time to read it. So yeah, I was reading the forward first, which is like a introduction section, and it's from the like I said, the forward by Gary Young, which I'm not clear about. Uh, I don't know who Gary Young is. Like the difference between Gary Young and Alex Haley, I, I still don't understand. But it seems like Gary Young was the Gary Young was the reporter, was he? Or was Alex yeah. Haley the reporter? Well, he wrote the forward, and he's talking about um, his like introduction, like his meetings with like Muhammad Ali, how he met him the first time, and. He essentially gives a brief bio, like biography of uh, Malcolm X in that forward or in that introduction, and um, that's kind of weird because I was like, if I read that, you know, I'm essentially like I already understand everything that happened in his life, but in a general view. So maybe it's good because then you have the you can just go straight into the book and you have an idea of what happened, and now you just kind of read more into the details of what happened. But yeah, it was interesting to see because it gave like a more personal feel, feel for, Muhammad, uh, for Malcolm X. I keep, I keep thinking of Malcolm X for some reason. But um, it gave like a idea of Malcolm X being a, like a human being because the autobiography throughout was, was like ramblings of Malcolm X or, or everything that he thought about and his experiences and stuff. But the forward was like his direct... Um, Gary Young. Gary Young's direct... Um, interactions with Muhammad Ali as a human being and like Muhammad how, Ali or Malcolm? Oh, Malcolm X sorry I keep saying that sorry. <laughs> I'm tired sorry but yeah his interactions with uh, Malcolm X from, from the first time they met until the end obviously which are, uh, and like the last time he saw Malcolm X and etc and then it, it, it sorts it, like you can see like everything Malcolm X did um, when he first met um, Gary Young and then like how he later on progresses after he, he endures what he endures and it's interesting because you don't really see that do you um, you, 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 you can see his charisma and yeah you just yeah. basically see a whole different side to him and he also talks about how he met uh, Malcolm X's wife and kids and Malcolm like how they were introduced to each other and other friends that they were mutual with and uh, yeah I thought it was interesting and I found it quite uh, I found it quite more like more interesting than a lot of the book mm. I'm not going to lie because yeah, cause with this one it's like well, obviously, with the book, is from his personal, his personal view. view. And but this one the book is like, is like if the forwards like you're seeing him from someone else. You're seeing, yeah, yeah. So third person is like you're actually seeing what he's like. Because because uh, everyone knows what Malcolm X was about. Mm. Essentially, he was uh, he, he in the book he he says like he's not a revolutionist. But the idea is that he's a revolutionist, or or like he he's the guy that um, made the Black Power movement into a into a big thing in terms of giving black people rights and freedom etc um so he was like a direct influencer in the fact that a lot of us uh, are in a position where we can talk freely we can act freely we do everything like in a much more relaxed state than we did back in the, mm. in let's say the early 90s and um that's who malcolm x is but the forward gives a very personal idea of him rather than the actual book itself so yeah um, the forward was very interesting. It was about eighty pages. I was like, "Yo, this is, not, <laughs> like, this is just an introduction, but it's eighty pages in itself." Oh man, um, I wonder how, how this book's gonna be. And yeah, um, I guess we'll go into the book now then. 
Yeah, so the book starts off, you know, Malcolm X talking about his uh, parents, you know, his siblings. Oh, he is. And his, yeah, and his father as well. Um, and his father was like a preacher of of this. Basically, it was like a, a movement that, uh, what was the Marcus guy Garvey. called? Yeah, uh, that he started, um, which is basically that black people won't be free in America and that the only way that they'll be free is in Africa. Um, and that was basically what he was going around spreading in like black churches and stuff like that and i and i found the one part interesting which um malcolm x basically says that his father um got killed by the hands of like the white man similarly to his father's brother um and he actually said that i too feel like um, i'm gonna die through violence yeah like that's how I'm gonna go as well and that's the thing with the forward the introduction of the book um, when Gary Young's talking about his interaction with Malcolm X he's talking like he's talking about how he first proposed the idea that he, he'll uh, he'll do the autobiography of Malcolm X and then Malcolm X how he's hesitant to agree with it because he doesn't trust the guy even though the other guy's black as well he doesn't trust him until like he earns his trust and then Malcolm X starts like um, confiding in him and like calling him regularly and to, and they get to a point where they have a, a pretty good relationship and then he talks about like the last time he he saw Malcolm X so that's why the forward relates to the biography very in a very like interesting way because you, you can see that Malcolm X was alive like, during the beginning of the autobiography and towards the end and yeah it's weird to, to see that in the autobiography he's saying that um, I expect that I'll die of violence yeah I was like well um, yeah so wouldn't you if you were involved in such a what? if you were that active as him yeah because he was directly challenging the rule of the white like white white people essentially mm. and, and obviously like at that time white people killed black people just casually yeah. like there was that um that what was it that, that that guy which basically cat called that white woman yeah and then he was, he was basically killed and whatnot but yeah, back then, like, people, like, black people would be killed, like, like, they were basically worthless. Um, I think everyone knows the decorated history. <laughs> yeah. And especially now, being at Black History Month, and talking about, like, slaves and how they were um, deployed from Africa to, to essentially build America and not be treated in a way that humans should be treated. Mm. And uh, Malcolm X was challenging that, as, as a lot of other black activists were challenging that. Um, like he said, Marcus Garvey earlier, uh, Rosa Parks, Muhammad Ali, uh, Martin Luther King, and all these other people that we learn about in Black History Month. Um, so yeah, that's the thing. Like how how black people were treated back then, or even now. There's a lot of still there's still a lot of problems, but yeah. it was much more prominent <laughs> back then. To that, yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. And that's why um, in his early years, I wanted to talk about that. And um, it's interesting how he like you can kind of see his personality develop from the beginning yeah. um, so he, like he was saying um, every time in the early years when every time he didn't like something or his mum like wouldn't give him what he wanted he would, he would make, basically make a noise yeah, and, yeah, like yeah. He, he was screaming sharp about it so he's like indicating that from from a young age he was vocal about things where he knew that if he used his mouth then he'll get what he wants essentially <laughs> if he fights for it he'll get he'll get it and he was like comparing himself to his other brothers which were a bit quiet and he was yeah. like yeah my other brother's quiet so he, he, <coughs> yeah, that's so why he's he always hungry, hungry. Yeah. yeah like so. his actual quote in the book was i learned from an early age that if you want something you had better make some noise yeah um yeah so 
what happens uh, his early life was uh, pretty tragic uh his father basically became very like sort of infamous in that area that they were in as they, he was known as the by the white guys as the guy who's basically trying to mess up um the black community that already lived there yeah. by, by changing their they, they, they had their their lives were happy and they felt that all the blacks were in a place where they wouldn't mm. like they wouldn't cause any harm to the white people and now they're seeing this guy who's basically trying to bring this up and they're like whoa what's he trying to like he's trying, he trying to, he's to trying to disrupt disrupt yeah. the safety of us basically and um all these white supremacists didn't like that obviously and this is interesting because um he yeah like Shamaki said earlier so uh, Malcolm X's father was essentially one of Marcus Garvey's biggest like uh, ministers in that area even though he wasn't educated he was very vocal as well and he was also like a a speaker public mm. speaker per se or a preacher and um, that's like you can see another kind of influence that yeah. Malcolm X became like that in the future patterns yeah and um, the mum was also educated and she would regularly um, well Malcolm X's mum was educated and she would regularly like chastise his dad or like in a edu- he essentially said an educated woman would talk down to an educated man in a, mm. in a way that he wouldn't like so his dad would be his mum <laughs> yeah there was always like they were always Conflict. arguing and, yeah, yeah. So all of this is like is, is reflecting on his whole life. So there's like violence, but there's like a good level of intellect and there's a good level of um, like charisma and public speaking. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's like from the beginning, it's reflecting on his whole life. Mm. And, and yeah, how his dad died, which was interesting. His dad um, essentially had an argument with his mom and then he left and then um, he ended up getting killed and um, essentially white supremacist um, Killed him, cut him in half, and uh, killed him. He, you know, like run him over with a car, run him over, yeah. and then like run his head over with the car, and then chopped his body in half. And then this is this is the mad thing that happened because after that, because uh, his dad had life insurance and things like that, so they they were set up pretty nicely before his dad died. Yeah. Although there were arguments and stuff, things weren't too bad. And he even says like we were more well off, even though we were struggling, we were more well off than other blacks in the area. And then he says that um, after his dad died, his mom tried to collect the life insurance policies. Like um, she, uh, she already, she already collected one policy, which is a smaller one, which is like just got, just like got, just like helped them out over the, the line after like they paid for his funeral and stuff like that. But then when they tried to collect the more important um, life insurance checks, the, the life insurance company just the insurance company essentially tried to uh, they did them over by saying that and it didn't happen. He, he yeah. committed suicide. Yeah, something like that. Which yeah. is which is evil. Like and this was even though it, it didn't seem that bad to me when I read it, I was like, yeah, they'll probably something. They'll probably they'll probably like do well after. Yeah. But uh, after it, um, it turns out like they end up like going into welfare and. At, at that time if you were in welfare then the government had a, a say over like what your kids like control of your kids basically and if you didn't go into welfare you'd essentially starve mm. and you have no choice um, because a lot of like his mother was educated and she was she was getting jobs and she was getting by as well and then it got to a point where um, every time people found out that she was black she was getting refused jobs or she was getting sacked no it, was, it wasn't it was um, like her children if they came to the shop and then they'll see that she has black children. Then she would be sacked from like mm. her job. But yeah, generally she found it difficult to get a job. But the sad, the sad thing was was that she basically 
Um, she was never really a fan of welfare. Yeah, she always she was wanted, too proud. yeah, she she wanted like her children to grow up with like dignity and stuff yeah. like that. So uh, Malcolm X's like oldest brother, he dropped out of school. Oldest brother working. called Wilfred, yeah, dropped out of school and started working um, to you know bring money to the house, and uh, so the welfare people kept coming more and more, checking up on the thing. And Malcolm X describes them like basically saying they started sowing ideas into into their heads like trying to so why is that? i haven't done my research yet but I'm, I'm, i like from what i've read it seems like if you're on the welfare then the government have a say in what your no, kids they do. do yeah and they also have like you know it wasn't just that it was basically they would come to see the family and like, stuff like, like that social like yeah. social services now in, in this time like if you're not doing if your mom's if you're like the kids don't seem to be in a like a stable condition mm. of life then social services will likely take the kids away yeah and, and it was like because she she was um like too proud of taking like um <clears throat> the welfare and stuff yeah, like that out to be a bit crazy yes yeah, sometimes she would like what was it they boiled dandelions yeah. one time to eat yeah and um because then a neighbor offered them some pork yeah and she basically said that because of like religious reasons that she can't eat it so she refused that pork and then afterwards the state people were like yo she's she's a bit crazy so malcolm started going around like basically because he was so hungry yeah, he, he resorted to stealing essentially stealing from a young age and stuff like that so then they basically started attacking her through uh, through malcolm by like saying look at her she's not fit enough to look after her, her welfare children yeah that's this yeah the welfare guys she can't look after her children look so at, she, look yeah, at this malcolm kai and eventually they kept like indicating that she's crazy 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 over and over again until eventually she like started becoming more reserved and like talking to herself more and then, like, well, of course, like her husband died, and now she's like every day being harassed by uh, her husband died. Or, like she got, he yeah. got killed. He didn't die. He died. He got killed, and then uh, her, her whole, like her, all her family are getting harassed on a daily basis by mm. welfare officers, oh, and like her whole pride, like she's got n- like no, no more pride to hold yeah. on to because she's accept- accepting welfare checks, otherwise they die. And yeah, it's it's a sad story. And she like mentally, mentally Collapses. broke down. Yeah, yeah. And, so over time, you can imagine how that would be. Yeah. for someone that's raising what was it eight eight, eight children eight, yeah something yeah, like that. those times was it eight well. children or eight mouths I, I think it was seven children I don't know yeah, it was eight children yeah so yeah and those times as well yeah so. and then um, she eventually got put into like mental a mental history. hospital yeah um, which is which is always sad like that and part he, he said that um, this is this is a sad case but it was like a case of many like a lot of people had that same thing mm. so I was just thinking like just imagine like all of that was caused by people being racist and, and like hating black people and like I was thinking about that and I was like slavery happened and then after slavery they're trying to recover yeah. but still like they're never never free and for me as well what, what I found like touching was that basically she was a very well educated lady mm. she was smart and like how like her mental state basically deteriorated over time and like how she continuously was called crazy until she became crazy and like that whole like i always find it very like fascinating how like we can lose like how we can have such problems you know like mentally mm. like our mental health state for example one time when i went to somalia yeah there was this lady that was known around 
the the town like as Ruqiya Walan, which yeah. basically means like crazy. Her name is Ruqiya, but Walan means crazy. So like she's a crazy lady. Yeah. Um, and every time like you'd hear her shouting, and she would be basically say like cursing the government yeah. and talking about guts being pulled out. And I was like, yo, what? And she had the knife with her like all the time. Sweet. Yeah. And I was like, yo, what is it? Like, what's up with this lady? And the stories would come about like, yeah, she'll kill any man that, but she wasn't. She was actually like nice. Yeah. Um, but then afterwards, when we came back to the UK, I remember my brother like doing some research one. I found like a little documentary thing about her. It was like a small snippet. Really? And basically, yeah, there was a time where she was actually speaking like very well like very articulate and then she she basically was talking about how the government came like some part of government mm. and they like killed her daughter and like poured her guts out okay and then from that she went crazy okay and then that's why she constantly was cursing the government yeah. and so that kind of like i don't know struck, struck a chord with me and then you know the fact it's always a crazy thing how like we can lose ourselves mentally yeah like, our mental state is yeah and then like, how it happened to his mom who eventually ended up going to a mental hospital i was like i was like that yeah and how that affects uh, the rest of his life and the rest and, of his life yeah. that's the thing um he said like i like i said uh, he he said that that's the case of like thousands of and people. yeah that's the thing that's, so that's it's thing. not just him so that's yeah the worst thing about so it. i was thinking about it i was like uh, like in the beginning he was introducing his family and i was like yeah, so they the because for me i always like imagine how after slavery how they existed or like in in our images in our ideas of like black history we always just see like black guys picking cotton and uh yeah like farms like uh what did they call them again like the cotton picking like complex like uh when they have the the like a whole industry just for like black wow. people what do they call them You know what I, I mean, know, right? Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, so like the. the no, I'm gonna remember it once. Yeah, when we finish, as soon as the microphone's <laughs> off, we'll remember it. But yeah, how how like in when we're growing up in like education in this education system, and we're talking about black people, uh, black history, we're talking about like Rosa Parks, Malcolm X, uh, and Martin Luther King, and we talk, yeah. talk about how uh, black people were enslaved, they got brought from Africa, etc. And then they eventually got freedom, and then uh, the, the, the the small tidbits that we get told about how we were picking cotton and we were doing chores and essentially building um, the, uh, the Western world into like a more in- industrial place mm. and you know, black people had a, a big impact on that um, because of slavery obviously and I was thinking about how they because you don't really get taught about um, after that like how how black people settled down yeah. things like that and you get taught about it sometimes but I'm just like you don't really you can't really envision it until you read it like a proper story yeah, like this. Someone that's actually in there. Yeah, so I found it interesting how they they seem to be settled down. Like his his dad was his dad had a job, his mom had a job, and they were all eating okay, and they weren't being troubled too much. So, like I found it a bit uh, difficult to think that every single person, <laughs> every single white person is racist. Or, uh, they uh, like growing up. I mean, mm. I'm, not, I'm not saying every single white person is racist. Not obviously. <laughs> I'm just, think, just thinking like. <sighs> how racism was such a normal thing back then so essentially every white person there had the idea of black people uh, being less than human at that time and i was like how did they how did they deal with that how did they just get on how did they just get on with their lives and then i read this um, this is actually like the first autobiography i've read in, in years i think or even ever <laughs> first proper one and yeah i was wondering how they they settled down and how they started living a normal life again um 
because yeah obviously from birth like the ancestors were in slavery etc so I keep saying etc <laughs> like you all just know what I mean <laughs> but yeah I, I found that interesting and then his whole like childhood tragedy happened and his whole family were separated and mm. all, all the different kids like got uh, taken away and got put into adoption essentially like adopted by other families whether they were white or black which is yeah it was mad because he said like that's the case for a lot of people yeah so yeah and then basically moving on, um, he goes to uh, a new house to, the, you know, the, the welfare people, they they took him into a new house. Mm. Um, and there he went to like school and stuff and he was actually good at school. Uh, like he would get good grades and like he even became class president. Yeah. And so one time he was speaking with his teacher and he was basically saying that I want, you know, like I want to become a lawyer. His teacher asked him, his, his teacher seemed to like him that's what he yeah. thought and he, his teacher asked him what he like he should start he, his teacher suggested that he should start thinking about a career essentially because he, he's mm. he's like a young black man who's he's not doing too bad he's got intelligence and yeah um, he's got high potential so he should start thinking about a career yeah and then uh, he basically said that he wanted to become a lawyer and then the teacher was like yeah you know what I mean that's not like we are like as much as we like you yeah. you know don't get it wrong we do like you you have to think of something that's more reasonable to like a black man mm. um, and he he was basically saying you know you could be you know a carpenter yeah. you know, people like you, so you get yeah you get a lot of good jobs that way mm. and um, then there was a very like very interesting point where he said that he was getting like the top grades in the class yeah and even though he got the top grades in the gla- class and people that didn't get the grades as, like, as good grades as him were told like, yeah, you can become a veterinarian, you can be like, you can become be a lawyer, be. you can become wherever you want to be. But they were like, to him, like, you can't. Yeah, obviously. And, and that's when he started like thinking like, yeah. He was like, I'm what am I different. doing all of this for? Yeah. Like before that, he was like, you know, this whole black racial thing, he he, he was like, yeah, it, it, they yeah, really it mattered is, to him yeah, at that time. Yeah. Um, Obviously, there were the the slurs and stuff like that, but he just brushed that aside. He was basically like, I'm in the system now. I'm just going to get a job or not integrate with like the white community. And then they told him this and then he basically just crashed. Yeah. He was like, what's the point of me working so hard Yeah. to like, to then only be told listen you can't become whoever you want to be just mm. because of his color and then that's when like he was like it came back to me like that i am always going to be black and because of that um there's no point trying to chase and become like them yeah um another thing i found interesting was when, was when he was talking about the subjects he liked mm. and he said he liked english and history and um, he's explaining why he liked them and why he disliked maths. Uh, I found that interesting. He was like, maths, he didn't like because it was just like everything was set in stone. Yeah, that was our um, one answer. Yeah, and he's like, uh, it's not a subject where you can debate or, or I can raise an argument. So uh, I found that interesting. I was like, oh, that might actually be why I don't like maths either. <laughs> <laughs> just as you stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I found that interesting. And he was talking about like, it's just a lot of things where his character is just he's very articulate about yeah, yeah. what he thinks 
even though he wrote the autobiography like later on but like when you think like about your early life how do you, how do you think about it are you that articulate yeah about? definitely not like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just like you I, I just I, it was just a blur for me I, I don't yeah. remember I don't remember much but I guess he had a lot of traumatic incidents where he can yeah I mean we can't even compare ourselves to like the stuff that I was gonna say did you like experience any racism like no I didn't no no I feel like in Holland <laughs> everyone's had like that direct world. everyone has that subtle racism like that you experienced but in terms of direct racism anything yeah. Nah, not even. I don't even think I got indirect. Indirect ever. Yeah. In I your became, whole life. In, well, um, you're talking. Well, primary school. You're talking right I'm now. I'm talking about your whole life. Nah, like whole life. Obviously, you have like when I was telling you last episode about the property firms and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. How he was like, you're gonna have to, basically indirecting to me that like, you're gonna have to work twice as hard mm. if you want to become like at the top of this property thing. So as a kid. As a kid, like I don't. Not really. Yeah, and like obviously you had the playground stuff, but they what, don't what really, playground stuff? Like when people like racially say like, "Oh, look at you, you're, you're this, you're that." What? Like, yeah, you know, nah, but that's not like I, I never heard that <laughs> playground. No, like you know, what I mean, playground insults. I think that's as that's as far as okay, it went. Okay, okay. What the hell? Are you trying to get me so deep into nah, it? Nah, I, I tell you what, because I was listening to another podcast. Yeah, yeah. it's another podcast recommendation called From the Other Side. Go check mm. them out. There is is a pretty jokes like is a lot of comedy in there. I don't know if they attend it on Andre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a lot of comedy in there, but they they like so they they were they had their first they like their their junior years were in Scandinavian countries and Holland mm. as well, and they were talking about how they they had racist oh, yeah, racist yeah, experiences yeah. there. So I, I found that interesting because I was like, yeah, here I didn't, I didn't find anything like yeah, growing nah, up. I mean, I was house captain. Even though you had like, that subtle racism that everyone experiences, so but yeah. maybe I did, maybe I didn't notice. You it. didn't notice it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting how, how. I feel like if I, yeah, nah, not really. But there's a lot of people. Who, yeah, of course, everyone's had that, a little bit of subtle racism, and a lot of people had that direct racism. But I haven't experienced that much that direct racism yet. But yeah, I found that interesting. So, yeah. and then so basically he moves to he his he has a sister called Ella which is very like uh-huh. su- like successful yeah so he's, he's he had his siblings from his mother's side who all lived with him from the beginning and then they all got separated and then his dad also had a, a wife before his mum so yeah Ella was one of his dad's first wife's kids yeah and she was like pretty successful woman in in Boston who had her like who had properties and like businesses and stuff like that and black as well and black as well and he was basically he talked about how impressive that he found her like how very strong of a woman that she was mm. um, and then eventually he asked if he could uh, live with her in Boston and when he did he like this is after he became like disillusioned with the life where he was even though he was starting to enjoy his life and then his teacher said the thing where you're not you're never going to be able to do what you want yeah, to do until until that point after that then point he, yeah like, he moved yeah and then um, from there she was basically like just don't she told him um, just like you know check her out check the city go to the, check the sites and stuff like that don't go straight into trying to find a job like every other black person that comes here just get to know the city a little bit Mm-hmm. And so he does, and then he finds that he's attracted more to like the the black side of the area, where, like the, the ghettos and stuff like that. He was very interested in the, the what he describes them as the cool cats, you know, the guys that were slick, you yeah. know, those hustlers back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and was with the Cadillacs and all of that stuff. So he he became very fascinated. He would go there like uh, frequently, and he would watch them from outside the bar, where they would be playing pool and all of these like stuff. And he was he he then one time met a guy who worked there called Shorty mm. or Shari, as they say in America. <laughs> yeah, he meets uh, that guy, uh, and and then basically he takes him under his wing and he shows him the this life here that um, that there's a lot of gangsters and hustlers and how they make their money and and stuff like that. And he became very fascinated in that area. So yeah, I don't want to go into too much detail. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a, a, a turning point in his life where he went from this uh, kid who who was very smart for his age, and he was tall. He was taller than all his peers, and he had a bright future ahead of him in terms of like potential. That's what people expected of him. And then this is a part where I didn't actually like know anything about this before, like Enjoy. his criminal career. <laughs> oh no! Did you know about it? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I, I, I knew he went to jail. But I don't know how he went to jail or what he did. No, I know he used to be in, like, uh, used to do burglaries and stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously, I don't know how he got into it. Yeah. So this is, like, the part where he's detailing about how he got into mm-hmm. it from the beginning. And, like, like Shamogi said earlier about how our mental states can change so easily, it's interesting to see someone who seemed like they had a very strong mental state from a young age, how they get influenced and how they eventually end up doing doing like criminal activities yeah. like he, he even describes it as like uh, in the book he's talking about how um, there's all these different hustlers and it all starts small and then it just gets worse yeah, and worse yeah, and yeah. they become more ignorant and yeah it's interesting and then of course he heard about and then he went to New York because he heard a lot about it um, especially from his father who, who had, I think what was his father's connection to it he did like preaching there or something I don't remember Something like that. And anyway, so he went to Harlem. And in Harlem, he basically took his criminal activities to, like, the next height. He met some guys. Yeah, this is the thing. I didn't know he was involved in pimping. <laughs> yeah, he was involved in pimping and, like, drug selling. Uh, yeah, he was a proper shot. Like, yeah, he was out there, like, burglary. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he was talking, like, in detail. Like, if, if any criminals read this autobiography, they might pick up some hints. <laughs> it might be more efficient after. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about things like gambling, where it was like, if you see someone constantly winning, then they're cheating. He's almost giving tips. Yeah, so he's, and he, then he said something which was like, so if you're in any business or whatever competition you're in, and if someone's constantly doing better than you, they're then doing, there's they're doing something different. Yeah, they're doing something different. Mm. Um, yeah, so. yeah, so moving along, he basically done he got caught for a burglary charge um and he got sent to to jail for 10 years yeah and then in in jail he basically was it there was what was the guy's the guy called that jim jimby or something brimby no bambi bimby Bimby or something bimby yeah. yeah who was like a very well spoken spoken man who had like a lot of like vocabulary like words which he never heard of yeah so he said in the book he's like this is the first time he has ever like he ever held respect for someone just based on the way they talk yeah so someone that commands respect based on the way they talk and when every convo he was in he would be the one that would be bossing it yeah and he was very intrigued by that and so what happened was as later on he he he, he later on in jail he would watch that guy, you know, he got very inspired by the way he talks and stuff like that. And then his brother 
comes along and sends him an, e uh, not an email, <laughs> a letter um, saying that there is this new movement, the Nation of Islam. I and think he before that, you should talk about. Um, so yeah, after he he found that he he wanted to, he, he was really impressed with that prisoner, mm. his vocabulary, etc. And he found out that there's a library and there's a library, a book library in the prison. And then oh, that yeah, guy yeah. suggests that he should read, he should go in there and read. And then Malcolm X starts like picking up his love for 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 reading and um, literature, yeah. literature and his uh, like vocabulary, trying trying to improve his vocabulary. So he starts like reading a dictionary and finding out all these different words. And like he starts like uh, like he he feels like the dictionary itself is an encyclopedia, mm. and which it is. And then he starts like every single word he picks up, he like memorizes it and he he, he reads up more on it because mm. there's a whole library. And I found that interesting because I didn't know that. <laughs> Do you think they have prison? They have. You think they have libraries in prison? Yeah, like proper libraries like that. Yeah, because uh, he didn't go to just he was moved to uh, yeah. a different type of prison, which was more. He basically was at one prison where the cell was very small and it was like terrible conditions, and then his sister managed to get him into another prison, which he had his own cell and there was a lot more leg space and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So essentially, he is then. What was he? What Another thing was he in the as he's talking about his prison life. He's talking about how. You reform, you reform a criminal. Yeah, he's like, prison will never like truly reform a criminal. I just wanted to know what you think about that, huh? Yeah, that, that is true. <laughs> I don't think you can. I don't think you can understand those people that haven't been in prison. Yeah, of course, um, but the thing is, is like those that there's a lot of like reoffending criminals, yeah. especially the ones that do like massive things. Yeah, and it's the ones that do massive things that you want them to reform. Do you think that's that? But that's not really because of the prison system that's because of how uh, society is set up outside of prison is it, to, yeah but like to, uh, a lot of people reintegrate like, them into society yeah that's the problem so that's like the guy you mentioned earlier the soapbox guy he, he doesn't he help with that or something like in terms of integrating criminals back into society no not that he's more well he might do later on but at, as as of the, this moment yeah he's it's basically by children and stuff yeah. like that like telling them not to go to jail and stuff like that yeah um, <laughs> don't go to jail kids yeah <laughs> it's, not, it's not a fun place um, yeah, but when it comes to jail there's a lot of people that like yeah when they're trying to get back into society they find it difficult yeah and that's because jail is so different mm. from especially those that are in like solitary confinement mm. which go mad yeah and then they come, mentally they come back to to like society and, and the freedom is too crazy for them yeah you know and then they what is that thing there's a there's that uh, mental thing remember like you've seen Shawshank Redemption right they're talking about how uh, some prisoners they, they'd rather go back in prison because then mm -hmm. like you said the world, the world outside there's like some yeah the world outside is they, they can't they're not like they won't be able to get used to it yeah. which kind of reminds me of there was this documentary which was about death row people yeah people on death row and um, the guy was asking them, if you were like let out of jail, like would you, you do? would you not change yourself? He was like, um, if I was allowed of jail, I'd probably do the same crime. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and but it was it was strange that... because it was a lot of the people that were on death row. Okay. So that's what I'm thinking when when they're in it, like That'd massive, be... like obviously it's very hard for them to come out. That's from because, oh, but that's kind of sort of because from the beginning they that's all they've known their whole life most of the time. Also, they will probably have some mad like backstory. Yeah, that's that. But in terms of like prison 
and how it can change someone like say for example someone like a, a kid goes in for like possession of like weapons or something yeah obviously it's not gonna do much but if, if if someone's like if he kills someone and he's a very violent kid then i don't think gel would essentially help him out because they'll just chuck him in with all these other violent guys and he'll become more violent because it's the only way for him to actually survive yeah but whereas Malcolm X he was taken to one where the prison was more open yeah see that thing he was kept saying about like the prison won't change the guy because of the bars the person even when he's out he'll still be thinking of the bars yeah like how it mentally cages you in yeah with if if they're probably taken out to one where they're given like more space which is more natural to how they would be outside rather than in close like quarters with so many other people that are doing other crazy things mm. then there could be a chance for but the way things are done now mm. where they're just chucking criminals all at the same rate you know, yeah. it's not going to be it's a wide topic it's, it's a whole it's a very, podcast yeah, yeah. it's a whole different thing yeah um, now going into his introduction to Nation of Islam yeah um, did you did you know, know about the Nation of Islam before you before, before Mark and X. yeah, or anything in terms of, like when did you first think about uh, or notice the Nation of Islam as an entity? It was uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah. There was something he kept mentioning the brothers, the brothers. Yeah, and then I was like, Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Who are these brothers? Yeah, who's Elijah Muhammad? Then I looked into Nation of Islam, and of course, then I was like, Oh, Mark and X was part of this. I didn't even know he was a part of. Yeah. Thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Nation of Islam is still even about yeah right no. now like it's it's pretty it's pretty big um like i told you before i even saw them like uh, walking around my area like <laughs> just marching along um but yeah his exposure to nation of islam came from his brother who was basically like there's this guy called elijah muhammad and um he starts talking about how uh the black people, uh, uh, the white people are devils, and yeah. he's been sent. That, he's been sent by God to, to save the to, black people. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what he did. He just said a little bit, and then Malcolm X would start yeah. over, with, like thinking about it a lot. Yeah. And then he would come back, and he would give him more, like talking about how God's knowledge is three sixty, and the devils is like thirty six degrees or something like that. That makes sense. And then. like the masonry and all of that stuff. Fun fact. My the one of the places I used to work at, Grand Connaught Rooms, was owned by the Freemasons. What? The Freemasons, real? Yeah, yo, they're booky guys, bro. <laughs> I remember we had like this talk as I was a porter, so I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna. I can go everywhere. <laughs> and then they were like, but you can't go one place. And there's like some dark stairs uh, leading to a dark room. <laughs> sounds like some story, some fiction, right? <laughs> then they were like, this is, fiction. They, they, I remember the lady was like, this is the Freemasons room, you can't enter it. And what they, yeah they were like they like I don't believe this stuff man it's like their floors are checkered it's like white and black and, and they've all got these rings on their pinkies Yo, I was like what are these guys are you joking like, yeah, no I'm not joking I'm being deadly serious I'm gonna have to research more into that going into the weird side of YouTube <laughs> I always thought maybe if I open the door a little bit I'll just hear some necks cackling like <laughs> 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 and like some body just on the table <laughs> <laughs> yeah who knows anyways oh, that's such a weird tangent so, yeah so he gets exposed to to the um the nation of islam and elijah muhammad and he gets told that elijah muhammad is staying with his brothers and stuff like that so he starts 
you know, writing letters, but he he can't. His writing skills, his penmanship isn't like this great. Is, this is the funny thing. It's like he was intellectual before he went to before he got into the hustling life, and then after he came out, like after he went into jail, he realized like how ignorant he'd become. Yeah. And that's what that's what amazed me because like as a someone that that knows Malcolm X like broadly about what he was about and stuff and like I watched a couple of his his talks and stuff you see how um, articulate he was and then I was amazed I was like what well, this guy actually had a proper criminal career and, and like he, he like he didn't know anything in terms of like writing and speaking and stuff properly and yeah I found that interesting so yeah he started writing letters again and he got better and better at them and he started like writing letters to the Elijah Muhammad guy and his brothers and sisters and uh, he was essentially like, getting more and more hope in, in like coming out and like, yeah. uh, he started preaching to people inside jail uh, about Islam um, well the nation of Islam's view of Islam and it was it's crazy because the books that he was reading of like how the British Empire like abused China in, in the past where they started using their country for opium and then when China fought back then they basically had the first opium war, basically fighting China for fighting them of, you know, making opium in their own country. Yeah. And then having China pay uh, the British because of that. Um, and then talking about, you know, the slavery. He was, he's, he was uh, so essentially all, digging up all these facts all about these the facts. evils of white people and, and then and preaching were, them. Yeah, and they were all like coinciding with what Elijah Muhammad was saying about the whites being a devil. Yeah, he's so like, he's wow, what other people would do this yeah. to a group of other so that's people? That's how he was preaching to them. Had they not been, uh, you know, the devil. And of course, he, he wanted to write more in his letters, but his vocabulary wasn't that great. That's when he started actually memorizing the whole dictionary um, from like A to Z. Did he? Just, yeah. What? He memorized the dictionary? He memorized the dictionary. That's well, the maddest thing. The dictionary thing. that he had in it. <laughs> I don't, don't want to do difference. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Cause, so he starts preaching that to the other inmates and he starts... Um, from there, you can see like his whole life and how he like his final product or like what he was about is in, it all makes sense in terms of how like he grew up and like how good he is with people because of his hustling days yeah. and um, it's interesting because like all of these it all makes sense it all makes sense when you read a story doesn't it yeah. <laughs> so yeah he, he's like analyzing all these different people in prison and when he can see that some of them seem to be like a bit more like, on the hustler side then he'll switch up his talk yeah and uh, and he'll in, he'll he'll adapt depending on who the person is mm. and how open they seem to that idea if they don't seem open he'll like chill for a bit but if they seem open he'll he'll talk to them by themselves so he, the other guys don't talk about it behind him. like the other guys try, don't try and raise the alarm or whatever yeah so you can see like from the early days like he was very intelligent and he was uh, very analytical and yeah. he, he knew how to talk to people and like that's the thing he went to prison when he was like 22 21 yeah he went very young so yeah just imagine like a very young person like that and like he seemed like he'd like gone through years of experience before he had even gone to jail so yeah it's, it's, it's very interesting and of course how he, he basically highlights that when he started reading more that's basically what changed him the more yeah. knowledge he got the better that he felt the more confident he felt when he was speaking so he would end up reading about history because that was what he was into mm. and about all sorts of things that would basically armor him against anyone that would basically try to have a debate with Knowledge him. Knowledge power basically. Yeah. And yeah, eventually he, he comes out of prison mm -hmm. and he ends up becoming 
the Malcolm X that we know in, in, in like black history terms and he ends up like really supporting this Elijah Muhammad character and like um, making the the Nation of Islam an almost militant group where they'll say that if, if you're having any problems with white people like a whole or like uh, militia a whole group of them would come down and yeah. try and sort that problem out for you like in a violent way and uh, he, he's talking about like how he his his views were on that and then how it starts to evolve later on and um, he realizes that he he comes to he finds out essentially that if, like before he respects uh, the uh, Elijah Muhammad guy like very highly and he almost reverses him to a, a point where he's treating him like a god essentially he's like I'll lay my life down for this man like at any yeah. point like whatever he says is it's truth and that's because obviously like throughout his whole prison time like this is the guy that was giving him hope um, the Elijah Muhammad guy was actually writing letters back and he was like showing interest and that's very uncommon for someone who's speaking to a stranger you know and then um, later on he found he does all these militant activities and uh, uh, he, he, he's doing all this preaching and, and he becomes the main voice yeah, of, of the nation of Islam and all this time it coincides with like Martin Luther King's more passive approach yeah. and he's like against violence and stuff mm. and then um, journalists are attacking uh, Malcolm X for his views on things and they're trying to put words in his mouth and he's like actively challenging that and, and like throughout that you can see how skilled he is in terms of like articulating his views and how um, like challenging the idea and like making sure that people put, didn't put words in his mouth yeah. and yeah it's, it's very honourable and like respectful like to see someone like that has views like that and takes like such an active stance on them you know mm. and like he was flying out all over the world to preach and you don't see like, a lot of activism like that these days <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's, it's, it's very like interesting to see that and how his his life before that all led up to a point where he was like he, he got to that point yeah he became a weapon basically of yeah. everything that he had he was when it came to like weapon debating X. he he was like untouchable because he knew so many avenues that he had no way of kind of attacking him mm. um, that's the thing that's if you a... went to history like the thing was a lot of people would try to stop him when he would go to historic talks mm. like look at the way they did this look at the way they did that um they would be like oh no but let's talk about the here and now yeah and that's that was something which obviously you could adapt to but he personally wanted to always let them know about their history like the fact that these people like he, he said something like over 15 million people or something what? were like affect like killed or something like by the slavery thing um i think it was like killed i'm not too sure but that was like a large figure basically and every time he would like try to bring up that they'll try to go through like different avenues but you know that's a that's a that's a big thing now even now today there's like a, a couple of weeks back there was this black woman i forgot her name was and uh, she was talking about like how people treat black people differently and then the black people the white people were, like it was like a little interview mm. uh, I think a lot of people know what I'm talking about but I don't, I don't remember their names um, she was like an interview and she was saying like we're not treated the same way as you guys are this is 2018 yeah? mm. and then the white people are saying stop acting the victim this is now that was before yeah. and then she's like but that's not the point like um, they're yeah, still shouting that's, over her. that's essentially the same thing that's, so it's yeah. crazy that it's still happening even now and there was another thing like the breakfast club um, mm. <laughs> a breakfast club thing was there was another one like that like a couple weeks back there was another was like a, a, a latino singer or something like that um, an afro latino or something mm. I, I don't really watch that kind of stuff but someone told me about it and they were like um, the black 
um, presenters on that show mm. they were trying to make her seem like a victim and they were saying like her ideas are wrong even though like she was pretty sound with her ideas yeah. so they're like even like uh, people who are in a position where they could influence they, they, they still like mirror mm. what they're, they're being fed essentially and yeah it's mad that it's still happening to, even today and yeah uh, like I always say like the, the, you shouldn't have a victim mentality yeah. but things happen for a reason you just gotta deal with it you know that's, that's what it is yeah and then so yeah he he became very like prominent in the nation of Islam like he was the guy uh, who Elijah Muhammad would basically tell him to open up mosques and bring people in and and that's what he was doing for a while and then eventually of course the problems with him and Elijah Muhammad started coming up where um, there was a rumor started off as a rumor that Elijah Muhammad had you know like a lot of women mm. not a lot of like children with like women that weren't his it was committing immoral yeah. acts like adultery even though before that this is the thing that, that, did you forget about that his brother Malcolm X's brother younger yeah. brother oh yeah 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 he, he yeah. dropped that and then yeah so yeah. Malcolm X's younger brother was discharged by Elijah Muhammad of the mm. service of the nation of Islam so basically he got suspended they said like don't come back yeah um, because, what they do is they because he got caught so no one can talk to you after yeah because he got uh, he, he committed adultery yeah and then um, that's when and that was back in jail time like back when Malcolm X was in jail mm. and his brother went through like he, he went crazy as well didn't he mm. yeah because of that so think about that as well that's why I read that and it all made sense like why he really like started hating Elijah Muhammad after yeah, yeah, yeah. because Elijah Muhammad essentially made Malcolm X choose between him and his brother because his brother committed a moral act an immoral act and at the time um, when he was in jail he was like convinced of the idea of Elijah Muhammad being yeah. like this messenger and the, uh, the nation of Islam being the, the like the religion so he chose Elijah Muhammad over his own brother because and of Elijah Muhammad's like, judgment to, yeah he told him to his face like basically you can't come back here yeah. to his own brother that was his youngest brother as well the one he felt most attached to yeah. that was the brother that basically brought him onto the nation of Islam as well yeah. so he found it very tough doing that but he chose Elijah Muhammad over him and his and brother then, eventually went crazy yeah and then for him to now find out that um, Elijah Muhammad was was doing the one thing that he was judging other people on yeah. uh, at such a big level. At first, he was like, "No, like this can't be happening," and mm. then he his his Elijah Muhammad's son was the first person that he spoke with, and then his son was like, "Yeah, this is happening," and then so then he started speaking with the women which Elijah Muhammad had can like committed these acts with, yeah. which have also been isolated, and if they're isolated, you can't talk to them. So he basically broke a rule to speak of them and they basically said like here's our children like he is the father mm. and then so a lot of this stuff was well, was basically affecting him yeah. affecting his mind and yeah. that's the thing is you shouldn't underestimate like like how messed up that would be in your head like you mm. imagine what you like the feeling of like he must have straight away remembered what happened to his brother, his brother yeah and like his brother like losing his mind and stuff like so like similarly with his mum so yeah, obviously he's gonna exactly so, so that's like a serious traumatic incident that happened and then yeah eventually he he, he starts like uh, how do you say like going against Elijah Muhammad in, mm. in a way that like um, destroys his name uh, obviously Elijah Muhammad didn't want that um, because he, I don't know it, it's kind of weird because he's, he's almost yeah. a dictator at that point yeah and then what happened was basically the the JFK yeah. uh, the president Kennedy, Kennedy 
Um, he, he got killed. He got killed. And then Malcolm X basically made the mistake of saying that the chickens have come home to roost, um, which didn't go down well, not just for Muslims, but for black people in the, in the country. Because obviously them, their leader being killed, it was just like a very sensitive time and he dropped that. And that was what Elijah Muhammad basically used as... Uh, well, in, in in Malcolm X's terms, like as a excuse for him to basically put suspend, like yeah, to put Malcolm like down, and to and gave him a ninety day uh, ban if and then like with the he told them like for like you can't talk for ninety days, and then when the article came out of Nation of Islam, it was like if he submits, so this like problem was coming around where. Malcolm X is basically getting too big for his boots. Yeah. And he was getting hints that the people in the Nation of Islam were now turning against him because Elijah Muhammad would pretend that he was a like in front of Malcolm X he would be like, Yeah, you're you're my number one guy. Yeah. But then when he goes he's like basically telling everyone like this guy's getting too big for his boots. Yeah. And uh, so Malcolm X tried to deflect that because Elijah Muhammad, you know, strategically told him that uh, the prophet is part of a prophecy where people will start to hate you when you start to give talks. So initially he was like, oh, maybe that's just what it is. Elijah Muhammad prophesied this. But then a lot more came. It kept coming out that people like hints of Elijah Muhammad trying to destroy him. Yeah. Yeah. And then. So with all of that happening, uh, he basically was it is that when he goes to Hajj? Yeah. He goes to a pilgrimage. He goes to Mecca. And um before that, like his relationship with Elijah Muhammad has been destroyed and everyone's trying to destroy his name. Mm. And he's he's got his family as well and someone throws a Molotov cocktail in his house. Yeah, like his, yeah, someone it. tries to burn his house down like and kill him and his family inside and he's got like four kid what, four kids, four yeah. daughters. Or three doors, I don't remember at that time, and his wife as well. And then, um, you know, the people are also trying is. to still, people are also trying to, um, like get like basically a victim from his mm. house and his whole family. And yeah, that's that must have been like an extremely like stressful. You know, the point. crazy thing is, like, that's the same thing the KKK did to his, his, his dad. dad, yeah, they burned his house down, yeah. So it must have been an extremely stressful point in his life. And then he went uh, to a lot of times as well. Uh, a lot of like assassination attempts would happen. Yeah. That's you know, like that, that famous picture. photo, yeah, that like famous there picture, the AK like, or something, the OG picture. yeah, like people would come so to his house and try BBMs. to. <laughs> to run up on him yeah. and then he basically asks his uh, sister Ella if she could basically give him money to go to Mecca. to Mecca and when he was there was when he then really transformed um, his views changed his views changed that he one time he says that he was in the tent of Muzdalifa and there was like white people and blacks like so many people like rich people poor people everyone that was coming together and they were all like snoring the same way and he was like you know like this whole time i've been preaching against the white people yeah but here i am like breaking bread with them and like the king Faisal, which was the saudi king at the time you know he's walking him in and he's seeing people from all across the world like and the brotherhood and, and unity islam yeah and he's like this is like how it should be. Yeah, that's how the world should be. Yeah. And then um, he basically comes back after going to like Egypt and Ghana and like across the world. He comes back to America to try and give this new way. Yeah. Basically tell them the truth. Yeah. And then it's unfortunately at that time 
where when he's holding a talk that he basically gets uh, gets assassinated assassinated, yeah and in the story (laughs) it doesn't say that in the biography obviously but um, in the foreword it mentions like in detail about um, what happened the events of when he got killed and it's quite sad seeing it and his wife was the president as well with their daughters as well so yeah it's very sad in terms of how he got killed and yeah man that's that wraps up the autobiography uh, of Islam people yeah, that wraps up the autobiography and um, Malcolm X, his whole life and the impact he had on people. And I felt like he's a very integral character in terms of giving people freedom and like more rights and things like yeah. that. So, so my question to you would be, uh, like, what what makes characters like Malcolm X and like Martin Luther King and like Rosa Parks like so determined, so like special, special, yeah. Well, I, was, I need to read more about Rose Bus because right now all I, see, all I know is the bus, the bus the bus thing, yeah. yeah I know she was an activist as well but yeah um, I don't know man I think it's just being active I guess and challenging challenging things that should that are wrong which they mm. essentially did in different ways and same like and the same like ending for Malcolm and Martin Luther King okay, which is assassination because mm-hmm. that's essentially that's what that's the risk that is like yeah. Malcolm X said he that's was prepared thing. for that that's the thing it's they were guys they are all people who yeah don't talk the talk if you can't walk the walk mm. essentially he, said, he even said that in the book he's like yeah. there's certain people that um, there's one pimp that he, he used to like like if anyone tried to mess with him you better be prepared to die if you're gonna mess with him mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're not prepared to die then don't talk yeah. to him so yeah all these people they had firm beliefs in a certain idea and they all like lived their life by it. Mm. And the same thing is like Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and a lot of people, a lot of historical figures like that. And all those people, like they wouldn't waver mm. from their ideas, and they were firm and they were active. And that's the thing I was thinking about. It's like his ideas from the beginning they changed towards the end. So it's weird. Like he impacted so many people, but in terms of his moral ideas yeah. rather than his religious ideas his moral ideas were very like they were, they were perfectly normal they mm. were like perfectly fine I think um, even though his religious ideas were a bit wrong in my opinion <laughs> from the beginning and then later on I think he, he, he found yeah. the truth I mean a lot of people as well they like there's a lot of like people from Nation of Islam yeah. which obviously use Malcolm X but then they forget the crucial point which is what he died upon yeah. which is probably the most important thing that because there's a lot of people that do like use the nation of Islam and still say that the white people are like the devil and stuff like this yeah. but and they use Malcolm X but then Malcolm X example like literally contradicts what they said yeah and towards he, the end yeah because his like, final stance was that this is not right like yeah like we're, we're all brothers if you're if you're if you're gonna be a Muslim like expect yeah, everyone's to have a human Muslim. being yeah yeah like that's what he says um towards the end basically he was a, a man like a white guy offered him his hand to shake and he was like this do you shake hands with with a white man and he was like this i mean i only i shake hands with like all human beings in it you're yeah. human aren't you yeah. so like his whole stance from saying the white men are the devil to to change it, it changed but in terms of morality and how he thought about doing the right thing and the wrong things i think he was like perfectly like sound and mm. Um, in terms of like his integrity it was very impressive and I, I felt like it, it kind of struck a chord in me it was, it was another like like couple like back in the day when I was like in my self-help self-help like phase where I was going through like reading a lot of self-help books and stuff I, there was like one really 
think there's like one big thing that stuck in my mind, which I had kind of forgotten about, but it reminded me, um, as I was reading this autobiography, it kind of reminded me that in terms of like, there's all these small things that you do that determine your character in terms of like, imagine, you know, all these little small lies you tell, they all build up and you even start to, if you're lying a lot, even these small little lies, even if they're harmless, you, you are lying every time so consistently that your belief starts to change as well. Mm. And then that can lead to bigger things and that can lead to bigger things. So it starts from like the ground up. All these little harmless things that you think are harmless, they, they can grow into bigger things. And um, by by controlling that desire to lie and do all, all these other little harmless things yeah. that, are, that are wrong, then you can, uh, your, your integrity will remain, if you get what I mean. So yeah, this it struck a chord with me in that regard. And I, I need to try and constant, like consciously try and stop lying. And, and like you, every small lie that I make, it, it, like sure. your belief kind of wavers. Yeah, it's it like, you, you, do, you, do you really know who you are if you're consistently lying? Because mm. you're always switching up the story. And yeah, that's what struck, struck with me in terms of like his character and his integrity. Well, as it was written in this autobiography anyway. Yeah. It's like that Hitler's right hand man basically saying that thing, where like, the lie you know basically told again can actually become the truth until yeah. you start you end up believing yeah the lies that you say exactly because even if you if even if you make a lie and only you know it at the end of the day you know you're the one it that's gonna believe it yeah your 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 belief in yourself and your ideas will start changing easily because it's like a firm pillar that's been crumbling a little bit and it keeps on crumbling until like it stops and that's what yeah. that's the thing it leads to, like all these small small time criminals they, they start doing small things and it keeps on building up yeah. and is a fact of life like your, your mentality can change very easily and you need to you need to monitor it and remember it and keep it in check every now and then and that's what I got out from his character and what I'll take from this book personally so my final question to you why are you questioning me man Huh? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, well, yeah, we're some, running very late. Man. What makes them so special? Yeah, I'll just say it very quickly. Like you said, is is how passionate and how much they're willing to put everything on the line for, and most of the time is their lives that are at stake. Yeah, um, for their beliefs. And it's it's crazy because like with these guys, we underestimate well what they did because mm. it's like every like black person in no matter like what specific part of Africa they come from like at the end of the day these people fought for all of their rights you know mm-hmm. what I mean whether you're an immigrant that's just coming in the reason why you have so many rights that you do is because that these people basically fought against the norm and basically but broke lives down on foot for yeah, us and basically broke the cycle um, that's that's personally what I think makes them also special is the fact that they took essentially took one for the team yeah I mean, if they didn't do it you know what I mean? Like, the Red Power Range. That's the weakest thing. And and fi- one 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 topic, the final thing I wanted to touch up on is is legacy. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I would, before I wrap it up, I'll, I just want to ask, how would you like to be remembered? How would I like to be as remembered? Muhammad? Uh, I think uh, from birth I was given a name, <laughs> <laughs> a very important name, and I'd like to reflect those characteristics of that. that my namesake and uh, leave a legacy in terms of like having helped a lot of people like improve their lives mm. having influenced a lot of people and gaining knowledge um, that's that's what I want to be remembered for that's a very deep point <laughs> but yeah essentially be remembered in a good way where a lot of people improve their livelihoods and their way of thinking yeah that's me 
Yeah, one thing that I would say as well, like modern day people's all that are sort of changing the game. Mm. You heard of uh, Colin Kaepernick, yeah, an Cap- American footballer, of course. Yeah, and he wasn't. Yeah, so basically he did take one for the team yeah. because he was the guy that be- he kneeled down, protested against the national anthem for police brutality. He started, it. and because of that, he took one for the team because now, like, no NFL team wants to hire him yeah. so essentially he lost his job to do what was right to, was, to bring up this 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 topic where yeah. no one else would yeah. uh, it, like in hopes that maybe one day that kids will open up a history book and they'll be like this guy here he stood against yeah, cap is very impressive as well. so like with him that's like a massive legacy like yeah when he goes a lot of people remember him more than like other Sporting, people yeah so like similarly with like Malcolm X he, in the book he mentioned so many of these bands and musicians and famous people at the time yeah but like no one remembers them now because yeah. obviously he left a legacy mm. and with my one what I would like to be remembered for is, is some type of change I think in what way yeah probably um <laughs> I've always wanted to like build on Somalia mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like that's a big thing everyone every Somali kind of wants everyone yeah but that's the thing is like I want to and everyone from a th- like third world country has moved to a first world country I think uh, they, they all have that idea in their head yeah but, but I mean then, then well, who's going to be the one to do it yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I agree that's, that's what I'm saying doing the action is a different thing from thinking it yeah, yeah I think if you did make a change I think that would be beautiful because I personally think that legacy is very very important um because it takes like what because it affects three, future people four grandchildren to you're forgotten about until you're like oh that muhammad you know what i mean whoa, whoa, whoa. compared to d muhammad <laughs> actually you'll never be I'll d muhammad yeah, i could be d shamaki there's only one shamaki <laughs> i don't know any others <laughs> should make it <laughs> Yeah. So basically, to 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 wrap it off, uh, just like to leave it on on this note that guys like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, all of those, they created change, um, in, in their times on things that they believed in, and maybe there are some stuff in our local communities which we know aren't morally correct or which aren't doing the same things or, for example. You know, uh, okay. I was about. I can't think of anything small, but major things like how major companies are ruining small countries or stuff. It's basically. Oh, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I can't think of something small, but basically, um, if things there like is give, something, let me, let me give you some stuff then. Go on. Yeah, let me drop some knowledge. Be uh, so things like giving kids the opportunity to do different things and like setting up organizations where it makes things easier for parents and students and yeah. te- and, and kids to like to gain more knowledge or experience different things. So like let's say everyone chipped in ten pounds a month to take ten. Uh, like, let's say everyone like a hundred people in the community chipped in ten pounds a month to to take some kids on holiday, mm. some some like uh, poorer kids on holiday. For the first time in their lives, so, uh, we can easily we can easily do that. Yeah, and we don't, we don't think of things like these, and um, it it would benefit those kids a lot. They'll remember that experience for the rest of their lives, uh, and there's these small little steps that we can take as a collective to improve some uh, uh, like people that are like not as well off as us, their livelihoods, and I think um, that's things that we need to implement and 
like make these small organizations and put yeah. them in place yeah, so yeah that's an example i'd give as a small step forward yeah and like charities and stuff like yeah. that so yeah um to basically become like one of these guys who make change in our communities and then hopefully broadly and across the world um and yeah and with that i'd like to say we're your boys from inspire reads and good night